This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Hall. And how are you this morning, Charlie? What's going on in the garden? I'm under a snowdrift. What about you? Yeah, we are under a snowdrift as well. Lots and lots of the white stuff came down here. And I know uh, talking to our producer, Carlos, he said that uh, when he came out this morning, everything was covered in Toronto. So I think most of the province got it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. (coughs) So they were right about their forecast. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a little bit, it kind of tiptoed in. My wife and I were talking about it this morning and it seemed to take its time getting in, but it certainly arrived. It snowed all night here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. It's hard to believe it's March, but it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, I joke. I say we're going to have skiing up here in Collingwood till June now. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's going to be a late spring. So we have a little more time to prepare our gardens and our our bodies for getting out into the garden. Gotcha. Um, Okay. you know what? I know you have some announcements and I have uh, an announcement as well. But before we do that, I will just quickly give out the phone numbers because we'd love for you to give us a call. Uh, If you uh, live in Toronto, uh, 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in this white province of ours, uh, it's a toll free number, uh, 1-866-740-4740. And do let Carlos know if you are a first time caller. Because I will give you those, the garden wings. Uh, we want you to call often. We want you to call early, please. And one question per call. Okay, what do you got, to Charlie? You got some announcements, yeah? Oh, lots going on. Uh, remember, I am uh, Zooming with the Riverdale Horticultural Society this Wednesday, March the 8th. That's International Women's Day. My topic is Sexy Soil. And it's <laughs> for, I've got an alternate uh, title as well, which is Let's Get Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you want to participate in this very fun and educational event, send an email to info at Riverdale Horticultural. One word, Riverdale Horticultural dot ca and uh you will be sent your zoom code and i have a feeling that it's going to be well attended <laughs> <laughs> hey one more for the march the 12th yeah Toronto botanical gardens 1 to 4 p.m the ontario rock and garden uh sort of uh, hardy plant society rock garden and hardy plant society is getting together to talk about botanizing in New Zealand, which Ooh. sounds pretty fascinating. Yeah, very neat. I got family in New Zealand, actually. Yeah, my uh, my dad lived there for about five years before he came on to Canada. I have an uncle there. I have a cousin mm. there. So, yeah. yeah, I got some New Zealand ties for sure. Okay, and I've got one here. Uh, this is regarding Monday, March the 13th, and this is right up my alley. Uh, it's the Agent Court uh, Club. Uh, uh, sorry, the Agent Court Garden Club in person meeting those are exciting it's 7 30 and uh it's a gardening club for novice regular 
uh, or expert gardeners who like to learn, laugh, share, and have dessert. Woohoo! <laughs> right up there. As I say, 7.30 p.m., Knox United Christian Education Center, uh, 2575 Midland Avenue Drive off of Rural Avenue. Uh, and their headliner is going to be a gentleman by the name of Scott Kennedy, who will teach about the history of Don Mills. And I thought that was very interesting for a garden club. And um, questions at the end. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, light refreshments. So, yeah, so there yeah, you fun go. Fun group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. You got any other announcements there? Or what's, what's going on? I just uh, quickly, if Lee Anderson is listening right now, Lee sent me an email on the subject of turf. And I sent her a novel back in terms of an answer, but the uh, reply that I sent got bounced back to me. So Lee Anderson or anybody who would like to email me a question, please send it directly to me at c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. And then I will reply to what you send. Uh, so Lee, what you the way you sent me, I can't reply. So I need to get your email address. So send me another one, please. Thank you. Oh. Fabulous. I am already thrilled because we already got four callers on the line. So that's good. They're calling early, just like we asked. Uh, we have to take a, a bit of a pause. We'll be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, yeah, we are back here on the Garden Show on this snowy, snowy Saturday morning, the uh, the first uh, the first Saturday of March, right? And we're, what, a couple of weeks away, two and a half weeks away from spring. Well, so in like a lion, out like a lamb, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <Maybe. laughs> it feels like that, maybe. <laughs> the, lamb is, the lamb is on skis <laughs> <laughs> or a snowboard, one or the other. Okay, let's go right to our first caller. We have uh, Mary on the line from uh, Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Thank you, and good morning to you both. I'm sort of in midtown Toronto, and I have a foot of snow on my deck. I don't know how I'm going to get to my clothesline to... Uh, <laughs> Shovel it It'll to put melt. the feeder out, and I saw Robin again this morning, and the oh, poor nice. guy. So I thought you might be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're supposed to be running around in the rain, not the snow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll shovel to the table first and get his grapes out. Anyways, <laughs> I'm calling about a clematis. I googled this. I have the sticker from two years ago. I thought I was buying. And the first letter is a small V-I-T-I-C-E-L-L-A. And then the next three are Blue Angel Clematis. And I Googled it, and I Googled, tried Googled, Googling wholesalers. When I bought it two years ago, it was where they set up, like, they had hundreds of plants on the parking lot of Dufferin Mall. And the girl was holding it. It was blue. It was roughly several, uh, not one petal, and it was tinged with white. And she said the other one definitely was it. Unfortunately, it was a very small clematis. And all the different Googlings I tried showed exactly the same clematis, single petal, not very big. Have you right. any idea where I could get this particular one? 
So you did not buy it at the time? I thought I did because the girl was holding one that had the flower. Mm-hmm. But the other pots in that same area, along with several other colors, didn't have any flowers. And I spoke to the owner, and he said, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. And I know how people take the stickers out and put them anywhere. Mm-hmm. But then when I tried to return it, because it was still kind of COVID, they weren't mm-hmm. taking any. Right. That makes sense. But I would um, love to buy this one because yeah, it is three. It was huge. Three to four flowers, many, many layers of petals, frilly, and they were tinged with white. Right. Gorgeous. So as you notice, it was a small plant. And so often the really highly bred, highly selected plants of any species are often not very vigorous plants. So they tend to be on the small side and sometimes not super, you know, really tough and grow well, et cetera. So what I would do, you know what, uh, the best I can suggest, you're in Midtown Toronto. Um, hmm. But if I'm buying them even at a nursery, which I did, Humber Nursery was still there, they were in the Mm -hmm. same size pot. And then Mm -hmm. you plant it in your garden. Mm Hmm. Like right. the same black pot that's what, about... So one gallon usually, tall? or one liter. It's a small pot. Yeah, well, uh, yeah because clematis are not that seen. easy to propagate. Um, you know what? L- leave that with me. I, off the top of my head, there are, as we all know, there are fewer and fewer garden centers all the time. Um, Humber oh, being that. an yeah. example of so one where the land is worth more than the company. So the... You know, we tend to get down to the Loblazes and the Home Depots when it comes to shopping for garden plants, and you're not going to find specialty plants in that kind of a situation. So, like I said, leave, leave that with me. I'll, I'll see if I can come up with a suggestion. You might end up doing a mail order from somewhere else in Canada, which would come this spring at some point, dormant, and then you'd get it into the garden. And that might be your best bet for getting a hold of such a specific plant. But there are still growers that mm-hmm. the odd ones that uh, he said, yeah, his grower would sell next time they got it, but they weren't getting any more. Right. So how would I get in touch with growers? Well, you can't. Um, the wholesalers don't typically sell to the public. Okay. Uh, they sell to retailers. So, okay, well, um, you know, I'm just looking here quickly. Me. There's a company, plantcentral.ca. Uh, looks to be a, um, might just be a uh, mail order. Uh, be like you know ordering seeds, uh, twenty nine ninety nine availability ships within. So Plant Central, uh, PlantCentral.ca, Blue Angel, Clematis. Uh, take a look at that. See if that's what you're looking for. Um, there's so many different kinds of clematis. They've been named. And this happens with roses. It happens all the time. Different names get put on different plants by different people. This is a photo here. This might not be exactly what you're looking for, but take a look at that. It looks like you can order that and have that shipped as a dormant plant in the next uh, couple of weeks. Okay. Okay. doke. Okay. Thanks for your call. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the call there, Mary. Okay. We have to take another, uh, another break, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. 
This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we're back here on The Garden Show on this snowy day, and I was thinking about those garden centers you were talking about, Charlie. I'm not getting to any garden centers this morning <laughs> until I get the end of the driveway shovel. <laughs> There's a quite the mound. The, the plow came by. It looks like we might have got about 10 inches or 25 centimeters here looking at my neighbor across uh, with his snow blower out, and wow. the snow is up to the top of his blower. Yeah, and, and I think that this snow is going to be uh, heavy for snowblowers, quite frankly. It's it's quite dense anyway, where we are anyway. Yeah. It could be different and elsewhere. I think that's why my neighbors are out now. They're trying to yeah. it while it's not as heavy as it's going to get. Gotcha. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, another Toronto caller. We have Gloria on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show. Gloria? Yes, um, I was just wondering. I have five emerald cedars that are just overladen with snow, and they're touching the grass. Um, this morning I went out and I shook them. I don't know if I did the right thing. Uh, can you tell me if I did the right thing by trying to get the snow off them so they weren't so heavy? Okay, so that's a really good point. Uh, so what we know is that in the future, as in next fall, next October, you're going to get some string out and you're going to just tie string in a spiral up uh, each of these cedars to hold yep. the limbs as vertical as possible. You're not going to tie it too tight, but you're just okay. going to help stabilize all those branches as upright as possible to avoid that peeled banana look, which happens with the heavy yep. snow on top. Shaking is not a good idea. The plants are uh, frozen and brittle, and you can break them when they're frozen. If you want to get out a broom and then gently... Mm -hmm. Um, sweep if you can or peel the snow away you okay. can do that but but again very gently uh and what because you know what i speak i'm speaking from experience because the same things happened at my place um yeah. we will be pruning um some of these limbs will not bounce back and they will look very silly and we won't like the looks of them so come spring like maybe may or june we will be doing some pruning on some of those branches that are just wide open and uh, will never bounce back. And don't start tying them up because uh, tying up plants is just mean. And instead, okay. just we'll, we'll prune and we'll redirect the growth. Do you think I've done damage? <laughs> uh, probably not because it's very mild. If it was minus 20 right now, I'd say yes, you probably did. But it's so mild, you're, you're probably fine. And it's been very mild in Toronto. You yes, guys haven't even had any snow. Okay, so the much. trees are not frozen much. solid by any means, which is one of the reasons they are, you know, getting knocked over like that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. You're okay, yeah. Thanks you. Thanks for the question there, Gloria. Good, good question, because these types of snowfalls would pull a lot of branches down these days, I guess, Charlie. Well, yeah, exactly. Depending on how the plant naturally grows. There are some, um, a classic is uh, some of the junipers. Skyrocket, I think, is one of them that grows very vertically. And, of course, it just splays wide open on a snowfall. So there's nothing or there's just twine that you can use in the fall just to stabilize branches through the wet snow. And I have a feeling we've got lots more winters coming with lots of wet snow. Yeah. Now, uh, there are I know there are people in our neighborhood and I see them every year where they diligently will put a burlap or something around their the bushes. Is that a is that a good idea? Is it not a bad idea or Well, it, it's a lot of work and you can do it um, poorly sometimes. I only use burlap on evergreens that are very exposed to a lot of wind or a lot of sun. 
because when the ground is frozen and it's February or March and the sun is beating and the wind is blowing, evergreens can desiccate or dehydrate in the winter and be dead like golden brown as soon as the ground starts to thaw because they've lost all their moisture through their their needles and their various leaves, etc., through the, the sun and the wind in the winter when the ground is frozen. So burlap protects from moisture loss. Um, Very, very sensitive tender plants or newly planted plants can be wrapped. But generally speaking, I try to avoid using burlap when I can. Okie dokie. Okay, I'm going to give those numbers out one more time before we go to our next caller. Uh, Toronto number 416-360-0740. Or outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free number, 1-866-740. 4740. Okay, let's go to Diane in Dorchester. Welcome to the Garden Show, Diane. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I do have a question, but Charlie, we always listen to you, and uh, we used to put the burlap around, so we stopped doing it, and we went and took some of that netting, uh, plastic netting like you put over your berry bushes, and unfortunately, some of the birds, a hawk came along, and one of the little birds had got caught in that netting, and it was just like, come and eat me, here's my breakfast for you. So what we did is just exactly like you said, we have some heavier rope, and we start from the from the bottom and go up to the top, and it seems to work so that yeah. uh, the weight of the snow... But my question today is, uh, for uh, Valentine's Day, I received a beautiful pink hyacinth. And it was in a little pink mug. It had some soil in it and some stones. And uh, the uh, blooms now are starting to um, die off. The leaves have really, really grown tall. I think I got about eight, or, yeah, about eight leaves in there. And mm-hmm. I watered it before your show because it looked uh, very, very dry. It's got some dirt in the bottom, I was told and some mm-hmm. stones on top. But there was absolutely no directions that came with it. And I'm not a bulb person because we have so many squirrels, and uh, they always have a tendency to dig up any bulbs I ever planted. So I was told, um, as much as my son-in-law knew, he said, uh, just let it die off entirely and then dry the bulb out and plant it in the fall. But I don't know. I want to make sure I'm doing it right because it is so beautiful. I'd like to maybe start having a few uh, hyacinths. Yeah, I love hyacinths. That's one of my all-time favorite bulbs. Love the fragrance. So what I would do is exactly what you're doing. Keep it in a sunny window or a bright spot in your home. Only water as necessary. So even move the gravel if you want to and make sure the soil is not too soggy. There's probably no drainage in that little container it's been planted into. So you want to keep it, you know, water when bone dry, but just water sparingly. Let the green leaves grow. It's going to take about two months. Eventually, the leaves are going to get paler green and yellow. Uh, You're going to be watering less, of course, as this is happening. And the bulb will still be sturdy and firm and robust so that you can then plant, as your son-in-law said, plant that bulb once it's dormant. So once the flowers are gone, the leaves have done their thing for about eight weeks, then you're free to plant that hyacinth bulb out into the garden at any time uh, between this spring and next fall. Uh, And of course, when we worry about squirrels, bury your bulbs deeper than you would normally think to do so. Squirrels uh, very much rely on the odor of bulbs. So instead of going down only three or four inches, go down five or six inches. 
that will protect the bulbs from growing. All those people with all those daffodils popping up these last uh, month or so with all the warm weather wouldn't have seen so much growth of their bulbs if the bulbs had been planted deeper. So protect from warm winters, protect from squirrels, plant your bulbs deeper, and uh, they will come up. They'll just be a little later than everybody else's, but they'll find their way to the top in the spring, and you'll enjoy the blooms for many, many years. So I never, once I plant that bulb, I never have to dig it up and uh, uh, let it dry out over the winter or anything, just leave it in the ground and nature will look after itself? Exactly, exactly. It is hardy. It can stay out all winter. I was told that if you put blood meal in the um, in the hole when I put the bulb in, it would deter squirrels. But I don't know because, like I said, I've never ever had bulbs before. <laughs> okay, so blood meal comes from the abattoirs. It is typically um, cow, uh, based on cow blood. Squirrels have never seen, most squirrels haven't ever seen a cow, but they smell the blood. They know it's from a big animal. And yes, it does deter them to a point. Eventually, either the blood meal neutralizes due to rain, etc., or the squirrels look around and go, I haven't seen any cows. Have you seen a cow? Nope, no cows here. And they <laughs> ignore the blood meal. So okay. it has its uses, but it's not really long term. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really like uh, listening to you, and uh, I'll uh, let the next person get on with the question then. Thank you so much, and stay it's safe. we got about down. a foot and a half snow here. Oh. It's just terrible. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, you've got me laughing. <laughs> you just got me the giggles there this morning there with your with your uh, antics about the squirrels. <laughs> well, the squirrels, they have their whole little communication. Oh, Trust me. <laughs> they do. I was just thinking that Diane could save herself a whole lot of problems. She could, you know, grow that bulb. She could just put it out on a plate for the squirrels and savor the, <laughs> savor the grief. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they love hyacinths as much as they love tulips. Tulips are the favorite. They are, yeah. Okay, uh, let's go to this next caller. She's very patient on the line, uh, calling from Niagara. Mary, welcome to the Garden Show. Yes, good morning. Yeah, my question, uh, I live in uh, Zone uh, 6B for gar- for gardening, and I want to uh, start some vegetable seeds indoors. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure which ones should I start first. And I guess that would be the end of March, I'm supposing. Well, it depends what vegetables, this is a great timely question, actually, uh, what vegetables you're thinking you want to grow. Uh, Even in the Toronto area, and certainly where you are, if you're planning on planting things like cauliflower or broccoli into your garden, those seeds can be started now indoors. But, and and we're talking vegetables, Uh, otherwise, uh, wait Wait, wait a little longer. And um, even, you know, parsley, if you want to start some herbs, you could start those seeds now if you wanted to. Um, Otherwise, I would wait. I'd wait a couple of weeks. And in your case, um, you're going to you're ahead of us by two weeks anyway. And uh, so then, yeah, it'll be time uh, to start uh, planting, you know, Things like tomatoes, I'd still wait in your situation another two weeks before I started tomatoes or peppers or eggplant. Um, Lettuce, I usually just direct sow outside. But if you wanted to start lettuce inside, you could do that starting in the next two weeks as well. So like I say, it kind of depends where, where, and carrots, of course, beans, peas, direct sow, do not start those indoors. Uh, Is there anything in particular you're thinking you're going to plant? 
Uh, well, yeah, so tomatoes, definitely, yeah. So I'd have to wait, like, uh, in April for uh, No, well, about two weeks from now. So that's, like, third week of March. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to start them too early because they just get very big. And unless you've got supplemental lighting, they get very leggy and weak and they fall over all over the place. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, okay. Thank you very Good. much. Okay, Thanks. yeah. Well, Thanks for the call there, Mary. Um, uh, I have an email for you, Charlie, that uh, is very timely because, of course, we have um, St. Paddy's Day coming up. But uh, you know what? Also, I'm just going to tell everyone we've got lots of room on the line. So give us a call now. Uh, don't wait to the last five or six minutes because then we might not be able to get your question in. 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. Or 1-866-740-4740 is the toll-free number. Okay, got a uh, an email from Diane in Hamilton who is... Uh, um, who says that she can't she can't call in because she's usually in her car at this time, but she listens every week. She has a purple shamrock that started out beautiful, but now she said the stems are long and thin and have huge leaves. She wonders if this is normal or if she needs to cut it back or split it. And she did send you a couple of pictures. Um, it says, she says, uh, by comparison, her green shamrock is bushy and beautiful. And she thanks you in advance for your help. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. Timely. Eh? That I was in a grocery store yesterday and that's what they had for sale. A bunch of pots of green shamrocks with little white flowers, you know, very, very um, cheerful mm -hmm. at this time of year. OK, so there are some differences between the green leaved and the purple leaved shamrock. They are not really shamrocks. They're just called that. Uh, it's a. It's like a. It's an oxalis is the proper if you want to look it up. O-X-A-L-I-S. These are plants that grow from little tiny bulbs. And because they're bulbs, they do have an actively growing season and then they need a dormant period. The purple one particularly needs a dormant period. It's only maybe a month. But when you start to see your shamrock looking really leggy, like we saw in the photos that she sent, it tells us that we need to just stop watering that plant let those leaves die down, let it sit there for you know a month or so, and it will start to grow again, or you will start to water it a tiny bit and it will start to grow again. And expect to repot about every two years when it comes to the, the shamrock plants. The pot is probably, if she's had it for a number of years, it's probably just full of bulbs, full of roots, and there's not much soil there. So in order to keep the plant, you know, growing healthy, uh, you know, recognize you can split up what's in that pot, give them to your friends, you know, share them around, but uh, don't expect them to live forever and ever in the same pot. And is a shamrock something that can go outside or can we, can, it won't survive the winter, I'm guessing, but can we right. put it out in the pot for the, uh, sure. for the summer? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, and with, with a plant like that, it's very thin leaves, not full sun, obviously. Inside your house, you would have it in full sun, but outside your house, you'd go into sort of morning sun or half-day sun uh, with the plants. And yeah, enjoy them outside for sure. Use them as part of a container garden, perhaps. I do that quite often with some of my house plants. Make a, you know, have a big pot and mix up some of my, you know, even silly things like spider plants, right? You really can't kill all your spider plants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, propagate a few of those, use those as filler uh, in the garden or, or in around some of your big pots.
Gotcha. We really are driven by, uh, you know, certain times of year and festivities for buying plants. You know, of course, our Valentine's, we have roses. And then, you know, it's it's now everybody's talking about shamrocks. And before <laughs> long, when Easter comes along, there's the lilies. And, you know, so many seasons have a flower that, or a plant that we identify strongly with them. True, true. And then the other thing, of course, when we get into like Mother's Day and Easter, we start seeing a lot of hydrangeas in the stores, mm-hmm. uh, pinks and purples and whites, and, and they're very popular. People love them. And then the big thing is, can I put that plant outside? Um, and remember that like with a case of the hydrangeas, there's florist hydrangeas, which are not necessarily hardy enough to live outside over the winter uh, and so you know we can put them outside easter lily is a great example you can definitely plant those outside and they'll live forever and ever out in our gardens so yeah there's a it's it's interesting how the different plants and whether we can keep them works indeed uh you mentioned hyacinth earlier just before we go to the break um uh, we when we bought this house 13 years ago uh and they still come up every year we have a whole border all up the driveway of the grape hyacinth oh, that. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Thousands and thousands and thousands. I think if we tried, we would never be able to get rid of them. It's, it's, <laughs> we, they do a beautiful show, but yes, I mean, I'm sure they've been there for 15 or 20 years, maybe. So okay, but that's a really interesting point you make. That grape hyacinth is not really a hyacinth. Ah, it's called gra- a grape hyacinth. It's actually muscari. Oh, muscari is the genus. So and so you'll notice it's not fragrant, right? It's, no beautiful little blue or purple flowers. Uh, And what's uh, unusual about muscari or grape hyacinth is they always come up in the fall. Like you see all the green leaves in the fall. Yes. And they typically will stay there all winter. And then those leaves typically die down in the spring. Then more leaves come up and all the flowers. So they kind of wake up twice a year, both spring and fall. Most of our hardy bulbs only wake up in the spring, but yeah, you're right. You again, one of those plants you can't kill. It, it's what it, we they they naturalize, so they are constantly propagating themselves. So one bulb becomes three, becomes you know exponentially more and more bulbs, and they're they're lovely. Like there's no maintenance required. They they just nope. bring you know bring a smile to your face when they're blooming, and otherwise you can ignore them. The, absolutely. And if anybody needs some grape hyacinths, just give me a call. <laughs> I'll pop them in the mail for you. Okay. In a bag. Yeah, you got it. Okay, let's go for another break. Uh, we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we're back on the Garden Show, and Charlie, I think that you might have an update on the clematis. Yeah, I do. Thank you, uh, and thank you to um, Cheryl. Uh, Penner, who sent me a quick email. Mary, if you're still listening, which I think you are because you're quite interested in getting that blue angel clematis, uh, Cheryl reminded me about a very, very passionate clematis grower named Peter Keeping. He has been propagating, growing, selling, and he will sell to the public uh, individual clematis uh, if you come visit him at his large, large garden. He's in the Bowmanville area. Uh, So what I'm going to do is write this down. Anybody who wants to give a call to the keepings, uh, Peter and Sheila, uh, like I say, they do open their garden certain times of the year. They do sell to the public. They have masses of clematis. Uh, Phone number 905-697-7842. I'll say that again, 905- 
6977842. And as Cheryl says, then you can go to Wreckers Garden Center, which is a stone's throw away. And Wreckers is a family run, really, really big garden center, lovely people. I used to take my students there when I was teaching at Durham College. Uh, so check in at Wreckers. Buy to your heart's content and uh, make it make it a day. Go take some take some gardening buddies and and do a do a tour. Uh, maybe catch lunch, uh, you know, at uh, some place cool in Oshawa. Hey, that sounds like a, a trip. I would actually really go. I would go to that Clematis place. I love yeah. them. I think they're great. Yeah. Well, he they grow hundreds, and if you go in the summer, you can see a lot of them blooming. Yeah, no, I would do that for sure. You know, maybe what we'll do is, um, just in case people are scrambling to get a pen and paper, maybe uh, right at the end of the show, we can give that number out one more time for the Clematis place. Oh. So, okay, let's go now to our next caller. We have uh, Kathy on the line. Kathy, Kathy is calling from Markham. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Kathy. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm phoning about African violence. Mm -hmm. Recently, I bought one that has three different colors in the pot. I wonder how to take care of it, look after it, and if I can split them. Yeah. So somebody probably gave you a gift of a planter with three different... I it from the garden center. It has no stick in it for how to take care of the what to do. Okay. Yeah. So what I would do, uh, depending on what they're in right now... And a six-inch pot. Yeah, okay. And is there drainage holes in the pot? Yes. Oh, that's good. So, you know what? You, you might want to just leave them and enjoy them together, and eventually you'll split them apart after they've been, you know, once they get too big and too crowded in the pot. But where the best location in your house is an eastern window, if you have an eastern window or northern window. I do have right... northern window. Pardon? I do have northern window. Perfect. So... You can put them right in the window in the case of a northern window. So they'll get bright light, but not direct light. So we call that bright indirect light and okay. feel the soil. Do not water if it feels at all wet. Um, the soil should be a little bit spongy. And then at some point, it, it's you can't feel moisture in your fingers. So it'll still have a bit of a sponge feel, but it'll feel dry to your fingers. Then you will water. And Room temperature water. Be careful to not ever get water on the leaves. Uh, and enjoy. Uh, certainly um, using a fertilizer will keep them blooming once a month. There's lots of great African violet um, fertilizers out there so specific fertilizer for your african violet once a month and they are some of the most rewarding house plants you can ever grow i like them very much that's why i bought them thank you very much okay Thanks yeah thank you knowing. kathy so i have two questions uh charlie are they are they actually because we talked about names earlier that grape hyacinth aren't actually hyacinth <laughs> and are african violets uh, truly indigenous to africa or is that Oh, aren't you going to challenge me? Well, <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> and the other question I have about them is that you say, oh, don't get the water on the leaves. Yeah. But if they're growing out in the wild, do they have shelter that stops the rain from hitting the leaves? What's going on here? <laughs> no, there's little gnomes with umbrellas holding up the top of the African violets. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm curious as to where, the, where they're from, you know, and how they survive. Because I remember my grandmother always had them. And I remember that. You oh, don't. Don't get the water on the leaves. And I thought, okay, well, what happens if it rains wherever they grow? You know. 
Well, seriously, you run out there with your umbrella. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, okay. okay. So, yeah, all right. Let's, I, I, don't, I can't remember where African okay. violence are indigenous to, but chances are they are indigenous to somewhere in Africa. Okay. Uh, and um, uh, Streptocarpus, I mean, we know the genus is St. Paulia, uh, native to Tanzania. Okay. Uh, and adjacent he's southeastern Kenya. So they are, yes, indigenous to Africa. So that was a good guess. Okay. The, um, because of the way they grow, they get furry leaves, right? Yeah. They are, would be, they're not like a desert plant, right? They grow in a forest where they're getting lots of shade from tall plants. They obviously grow in a moist area right? I'm yeah. talking about where they were indigenous to. So probably, you know, wherever there's streams or rivers or that sort of thing, they would be tucked in amongst little nooks and crannies around other plants and rocks and yes water would drip on them in the in the natural mm -hmm. world but then again nobody was trying to win awards with wild right. growing saint you know saint gotcha. Paulia or african violets um the african violet society of which they're if you google it they're a crazy bunch of collectors <laughs> they um they uh yeah take it to the next level so yes they're very lots of great information if you want to learn more about african violets through the african violet society but yeah they they get together and they compete and man, they are bloodthirsty for those, those ribbons. <laughs> wow. Well, I got to tell you, Charlie, before I have to go to another break, but I got to tell you that there is not a show that goes by that I do not learn something from you. You are very, very clever. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. We are back here on The Garden Show, and uh, we're in about last, what, seven minutes or so. I do have one more caller I'm going to get to in a second. Probably have time for maybe one more question quickly. If you want to give us a call, 416-360-0740 or one 740 We'll uh, do our best to get to that. But right now, let's go. Uh, we were saying we have a lot of Toronto callers this week. Uh, we have another one on the line. Uh, Hildy, welcome to The Garden Show, Hildy. Welcome. Oh, hi. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning to you, too. I love this show. I listen to it regularly, too. I'm one of those regular people. like to listen Great. to you. I always learn something, too. So I was going to suggest Fiesta Gardens for that lady with the clematis, but I think you have a... Fiesta Gardens um, will take orders for specific plants, or they used to, uh, mm, and they're yes. right downtown on Christie Street. So that's number mm -hmm. one. Number two, my big reason for calling was... Um, uh, the um, hibiscus. I I just adopted a, an abandoned hibiscus, which um, which uh, is coming to life. It's been pruned last year. Uh, it's got new greenish uh, twigs, skinny twigs at the top, and there's maybe a scattering of leaves, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten leaves on the whole big plant. It's about three feet tall, four feet tall, maybe. And there's green tips now, and they were looking very dead, but there, I, I, there's life in them now. They're, they're little, um, you know, green, uh, bendable. They're not dried up, in other words. So what should I do? Should I prune them when it's time to prune them, or leave okay. them, or 
Well, yeah, no, this is a good question, Hildy. So if the plant has been neglected and virtually, you know, gone to the point of looking like it was dead, yeah. as you realize, it's not dead, right? It's still got life in it. Yeah. When yeah. water and give sunlight, put it in the brightest spot you can. And mm-hmm. when you give it water, of course, you start to see little bits of green growth. But typically, a lot of that will happen out on the tips. So it's still not a very pretty plant because it's empty in the middle and got little green tips coming out. So yeah. I, if, if you can, I'd get out some sharp pruners and I would look very closely at the plant. Uh, you're going to probably want to bring it tighter uh, into the center so it's not a three foot tall plant with you know seven leaves, but instead it's a two foot tall plant. But yeah. if you do that all at once, if you prune it right back to two feet tall, then and if there's no green left on it you could kill it so yeah. you might have to do this as a as a two step process so cut back one you know like half of the branches back to that 2 foot level leaving uh-huh. the others with a little bit of green happening uh, for another couple of weeks and then where you've cut back to two feet, little green is going to start to sprout out. And now you go uh, and re, you know, continue pruning the big ones and bring it all down into being a more compact, better looking plant. Oh, I'm picturing, I'm standing with it right now and I <laughs> see where I can do that. So, Perfect. Uh, but you can, and just to be sure, like there are little green um, buds showing on the hard branches, like not the green yeah. branch, but the older yeah. Uh, yep. brownie branches yeah can i hope that they're gonna sprout too or can oh, i oh yeah for sure they will and branches. when you prune them they're even more likely to to come back so when you're That's looking good. at the plant you see those little tiny green leaves starting to grow even on the old woody branches choose your to do your pruning where the the little leaves will grow to the outside of the plant so out yeah. from the center versus yeah. pruning where the little green leaves will grow to the inside of the plant so each time you do a pruning cut look at where the plant is going to grow after you prune all right and it doesn't i can go down to like a foot or is that too sure. crazy yeah, go to can. two feet because that's where you, the leaves you, are starting yeah Generally, okay, hibiscus are very hardy, tough, vigorous plants. Uh, hardy is not really the right word because they're not hardy in the sense of winter hardiness, but they're they're vigorous, tough plants. So you can prune quite hard, and this is the time to do it. Oh, right now? Like today? Yeah, March, yep. Oh, cool. Yeah, because otherwise it's going to grow like crazy. It's going to be covered in flowers next August, and you're going to want to bring it in the house, and it's going to be six feet tall. And you're going to say, what do I do? So cut it hard now so that it will only be four feet tall in August. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Hildy. Yes. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Appreciate the call. Uh, Quickly, uh, we got a quick email, Charlie. Uh, It's about a calla lily. And this is coming in uh, from a listener who said she was grateful for her dad and her husband for getting her um, her uh, her hooked on the show. She has a calla lily. She's attached a, f- a picture, uh, had multiple flowers, was thriving, had it for about three weeks, watered it once. The pot has drainage holes on the kitchen island, not getting direct sunlight. She'd really like to revive it. She wonders if she's too late. Well, I mean, so the calla lily is, again, growing from a bulb. Uh, It is a tender, it's actually a rhizome, but either way, it's growing from uh, a storage organ below ground. 
what she's done is right. She's on the island is perfect, bright, indirect light, uh, keep the soil moist, but not soggy. Uh, you could try some fertilizer to, to perk it up and keep it growing if you find that it's kind of flagging. Uh, no drafts, no hot air or cold air drafts. Uh, and then it will go dormant. Generally, it has been forced to grow for the joy of homeowners right now. Normally, it should have been waking up in May as opposed to January. So normally, if it wakes up in May, it goes dormant in November. But in this case, it was woken up early, so it's going to go to sleep a little earlier. So expect it to go dormant at some point. But yeah, you can keep it going and get it outside in the you know once we're frost free into a semi shaded spot. But allow it to go dormant when it wants to, and then you'll bring it in for the winter and perhaps take it out the following spring. Gotcha. And that, that again, was Kim. That was Kim. Yeah, thank, there you thanks go. for the emails, everybody. We do love those. Yeah, do you have that uh, phone number uh, handy one more time for that oh. uh, Clematis person? Or uh, am I... No, uh, I do. Right. Good yeah. point. <clears throat> Get your pens. His name is Peter Keeping. Uh, K-E-E-P-I-N-G. He lives in Bowmanville. He grows lots of Clematis in Bowmanville. 905 697 seven eight four two and he's going to be sending me something on facebook going why did you give my number to all those people (laughs) (laughs) no he won't he's a really really sweet guy and he's he's passionate he's a grower Uh, he's very very good at what he does so fabulous don't hesitate to give him a call thanks everybody thanks dean thanks carlos thanks to all the great callers see you again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.